Hi, I'm Jerry House. You know, I've known these shady ladies for a very long time, and I love to hear their stories, but you have to take them with a grain of salt. Now, these tales and opinions are not for the faint of heart. And this podcast is not suitable for children, but then neither is the music business. So light one up and lighten up, because you're listening to the Shady Ladies of Music City. Is this on? Are we doing it now? What are we saying again? I'm Evelyn. And I'm Susan. Some people refer to us as... The Shady Ladies of Music City. There are a lot of stories that uh, come from on the bus, and <clears throat> there's a saying, you know, what's, what happens on the bus stays on the bus. It's similar to, like, the old Vegas uh, story, but there are enough good stories that we can tell that we're not uh, compromising anybody's uh, life or anything. Um, I remember once, uh, you know, and, and buses are so strange because they're like little mini versions of an artist's home. And, you know, it's all very personal and particularly a star bus where, you know, the band's not on that bus. It's, you know, just the star and the manager or spouse or whatever. And uh, I remember on Randy Travis's bus, Lib Hatcher would cook up a storm. You cannot believe how many things that she could cook on that bus. And you'd be, you know, racing down the highway, you know, at 70 or 80 miles an hour trying to, you know, keep pots from, you know, spilling. And Laurie, too, she did chicken and dumpling on the bus while we were in Canada. How could she cook while we're going over huge bumps and stuff? They did. I remember Lib used to make these cornbread patties or something. Water. What do they call that? Corn cakes. Yeah. And um, they were so delicious. And I remember Randy had a shower in his bus, too. I remember going down the highway so at like 70 miles an hour, taking a shower and just being, you know thinking about the fact that if we got in a crash, I would be laying here in the shower naked and just but you'd be, be mortified. You'd be clean. <laughs> I'd be clean. Like they say, you change your underwear in case you're in an accident. But I, I used to also go on the road with Ricky Van Shelton, and he was kind of like a superstitious guy. But I remember we were going into San Francisco, and he did not want the bus to go over the San Francisco Bridge. He was just nervous about it. Superstitious. I don't think it really had that much to do with earthquakes at the time. I, you know, when we were, uh, he just didn't want to go over that bridge, period. It was like he didn't trust it. So you had to go around, and it took like many hours so that there was no time to go to Sausalito because we had to be at the show because he was doing a concert there. But I, I had a lot of funny uh, road trips with Ricky Van. I remember once we were going going somewhere. It might have been on that same trip. And uh, I, of course, was smoking a joint. And all of a sudden, the bus gets pulled over and uh, pulls over. And it turns out that the police have pulled us over. And, the, you know, the bus it was before California legalized marijuana. Oh, and so we were really nervous, and, you know, I lit up a cigarette real fast trying to confuse the smell on the bus, and, uh, you know, Murph, the bus driver, got off and kind of dealt with the police and said that Ricky Van was sleeping on the bus, and they couldn't, you know, uh, wake him up, so we got out of that, and that happened several times on Ricky's bus, but that makes me think of um, his bus driver shaved his head, but left the letters RVS, you know, and hair on the back of his head. It was a bet that he and Ricky had about something, and Murph lost, and so they shaved the RVS and his 
hair. And he looked awful. We saw him at an event at Buddy Lee's house. I didn't even know who he was. He came up and said, no. No. That's what do you mean? different. That was Ricky. Oh, you're talking about I'm talking, talking about, about his bus Oh, driver. I thought you were talking about Ricky. <laughs> well, I just know that I spent more time interviewing bus drivers for Laurie than I spent doing anything. Because how the bus driver drove was how we all slept. And, you know, Laurie had her makeup situation back there, like all the female artists do. They have a makeup table and lights, and, you know, it's a big to-do. And if you had a bad bus driver, the makeup would just go everywhere because you didn't put it away after the show. Now, the fun thing on Laurie's bus is, uh, you know, when you do shows, the venue always gives you takeout food after you're done and they've come running over with pizza and hoagies and all of that but we liked hot chicken so laurie would go laurie would have the bus driver go to princess hot chicken on jefferson street and we would get uh well we got the same thing every time four pieces of mild four medium four hot and four atomic and they would wrap it in wax paper put a pickle in it with a, with a uh, not a bobby pin, what is that? a toothpick. And uh, we'd get on the bus and put them in the freezer. And then after the show, when everyone else was chowing down on pizza, we'd be defrosting the hot chicken and eating it. And uh, the thing that Laurie knew from eating hot chicken for so long is if you drink a Coke or something with hot chicken, it's really bad because it starts foaming up in your mouth and it makes it even hotter. You have to drink skim milk with ice. So we had gallons of skim milk on the bus with the hot chicken. And it was, I learned to love hot chicken on the bus. The bus driver would do things like around Christmas if we were going out. You know, the bus would pick Lori up at her house and we'd all have to drive, schlep out to Gallon and to her house. And he'd have the whole bus decorated for Christmas. And, you know, he'd have trees and lights and all kind of things. And because the bus is your home. And most, you know, once buses, you know, got really modern and had, you know, showers and kitchens and all that stuff, most artists prefer to stay on their bus. They may sleep in the parking lot of a hotel and, you know, the band bus may go in because they don't have the privacy. But a lot of artists still do. I think Kenny'd rather sleep on his bus. Yeah, any star bus, you know, it's it's fixed up like, you know, a, a traveling home and they don't want to go in the hotel. It's, you know, they're on the bus out in the parking lot, but the band and the crew and people like that are Get in the hotel. Get cleanup rooms, they're called. Cleanup rooms where two people are in a room and you take a shower. But Lori had a great, she had a star bus that had a waterfall in it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and a shower and everything. It was an unbelievable bus. And I remember when she was married to Sammy. Kershaw. Kershaw. I better say his name. He would be on the bus and he would be making, what is that? Uh, potato salad? No, no, potato salad. I'm that's what Sammy's all, that's No, all that was what, <laughs> he made, you know, like, what is it? Cajun food. And he would make uh, gumbo. Gumbo. <laughs> Filet gumbo. I'm going to have some fun. So he would make gumbo. He made the best gumbo. It would take him hours, though. And he would get really mad if anybody interrupted him while he was making the gumbo. But you didn't want to interrupt him because the food was so good. And Laurie would make the uh, chicken and dumplings. And she would also cook biscuits for everybody on the bus. It was unbelievable the food we had on the bus because it is their home. 
So and when you, I, they all know the places to stop as you go across the country. I remember every time uh, we would go to like down uh, to Alabama with George Jones. Uh, there's a place that has peaches, uh, you know, and it's a big like you know kind of stand off the highway. I forget what town that's in. Uh, but George would be like a beeline going there to, with his bus to pick up ice cream, peach ice cream. Delicious. And, you know, they just had these places all across the country that, that you would never know about that this is the best place to get this or that or whatever and, uh, you know, each truck way. Truck stops. Certain truck stops had really good food. Not all of them, but certain truck stops... And I remember sometimes at night, you know, the bus driver would wake us up at 3 o'clock in the morning. We'd all go in in our pajamas to eat at these places. And nobody cared, and everybody recognized the buses. And, you know, buses were a big deal on the highway back then. I don't know if they still are. And back then, it was just sort of like the end of that time when people used to have their names on the bus. Nowadays, nobody wants their name on the bus. Do they, they don't not? Want to be, no, they don't want to be known. As they move, but back then people were proud and they considered it advertising uh, to have the bus, you know, going, you know, across America. So, you know, that's kind of sad that you don't see that anymore because I remember, you know, driving in a passenger car and seeing, you know, country star buses go I'm by waving. and thinking how exciting that was. And now you have no idea who's going by. Um, you know, except for Willie's buses with the horses on them. Um, but he got a new bus. I'm not sure yeah, if he still his, has the yeah, bus with the horses. No, but for most of his career, he had the same bus. And the funny thing about Willie is that he makes the interior of the bus the same as every other bus he's ever had. So you never even realize you're in a different bus because the inside is, is done exactly the same from one bus to another. And, you know, Willie's bus is just a, an amazing place to hang out on because you never know who's going to be on the bus, you know, from all kinds of movie stars like Kevin Costner. And who's that friend of his? Um, oh, uh, uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's always on the bus. And politicians, you know. Who was that politician? One year there was a guy running for president. Was it Ross in, Perot? Not, well, Ross Perot was on the bus, but there was a politician running for president a couple of years ago and he was at Farm Aid and I didn't know who he was. So what will happen is at Farm Aid, if there's an act that everybody wants to see en masse, because there's always a lot of people on the bus at Farm Aid, they all pile off the bus and uh, this, this left this little guy there and I didn't know who he was. And I was smoking up a storm and I kept offering the little guy some pot and it was only when everybody got back that I realized that he was running for president. He kept saying, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. I said, oh, come on, don't worry. Nobody's going to know. Have some pot. And, and nobody... And I people never... get so excited to get on Willie's bus and smoke with him. I mean, this is like a dream of everybody who's never even smoked pot or thought about pot. They want to smoke a joint with Willie. So, you know, and it's a natural thing if you're on the bus because there's always smoking going on. Uh, and I remember Ricky Van, the first time he went on Willie's bus and he smoked and the driver moved the bus a little bit. But Will, uh, Ricky Van thought it was the power of the pot that was <laughs> creating this thing. And his eyes opened up and he kind of got shocked. And, you know, this is some good shit. <laughs> and Willie started laughing because Willie knew what had happened. But, you know, we've just watched so many acts over the years and particularly at Farm Aid when they come and 
you know, they always want to, you know, thank Willie for being invited or, you know, to make contact with Willie and they come on and they get to smoke. And, and they cry when and, they meet Willie. And it, it's always very emotional. And, um, you know, and it's funny because everybody wants the picture. So you'll have like, you know, our, the one year it was the Dave Matthews Band and Hootie and the Blowfish all clustered around. I mean, there were about 15 people, you know, surrounding little tiny Willie and uh, taking pictures. And and he's so good about talking to everybody on the bus. And he has a dish there that, you know, where there's potted and he rolls the joints himself or he'll have somebody else roll a joint. We always used to bring pot for Willie. I mean, not pot, but joints for Willie to smoke. He well, was always and, and happy. everywhere he goes in America, you know, the potheads bring them, bring him, you know, a sample of pot. their best pot. So, I mean, it's it's quite a thing. And Willie <clears throat> used to have this guy around named Ben Dorsey. And he was uh, a great little guy that had started big out... Big guy. He was a big, skinny guy. Well, you know, he was a little guy because he was very old at the time. And um, he was in charge of... He, he was. Tell who he, he was. He was like the first... John Wayne's butler. Ben Dorsey worked for George. I mean, forget that. John ben Wayne. Dorsey worked for Willie. And he was a real character. He was famous throughout every road trip that any musician has ever taken. And he had started out in the early, early days of country music. And then he, uh, as sort of like a gopher, and then he, a dresser. That's what they called him, a dresser. And uh, then he became John Wayne's dresser. Then, you know, he worked his way through different kinds of stars and he ended up at some point with Waylon Jennings. And he was uh, his, you know, kind of, not road manager, but, you know, guy. And then Waylon managed to uh, pass him, him on to uh, Willie. And Willie has, out at his house in Austin, he had a, a recording studio and a golf course and many other houses. And, and Ben worked out, you know, lived out there. But he would be in charge of Willie's coffee. And so, you know, for all those years, Ben was probably about 90 then. And he, you know, his job was to make sure that Willie's coffee was fresh and good, and nobody could give Willie coffee but him. And he polished the tires on the bus. And when he would get into trouble for something, he would, you know, polish the uh, hubcaps on the bus. And he uh, he tried to look like Willie, and he had long hair and, you know, the gray beard and everything. And he would tell me, he called everybody Lovey. Lovey. Listen, Lovey, I can go out there and distract them. They'll think it's Willie, and I can go one way, and then you can take Willie the other way. And sometimes it worked. And he was just such a wonderful character. He just died a couple of years ago. But, you know, he was the kind of guy, you know, he had a big white, you know, Cadillac convertible or something, and he'd drive into town with his new girlfriend. And the guy's like 95 years old at this point. But everybody loved him. And every band that toured America knew Ben Dorsey because he made it his business that no matter where they played and who was appearing, he was there. And he rode on Willie's bus. And so he was, you know, keeping the coffee fresh. Yeah, there are those people that have those little jobs when, they, when it's a act as big as Willie. And as kind as Willie that just kind of creates a you know, non-existent job to keep somebody, you know, fulfilled and happy. And employed. And, and you know, and, and Willie's regular bus driver, 
was very uh, caring towards, you know, Ben, because at the end, you know, Ben got, was very sick and frail and all of that. And uh, Gates uh, would take care of making sure that Ben was fine. And Willie's daughters made a uh, film about Ben Dorsey that, you know, recently. Uh, w weren't Gates and LG all were Hell's Angels before they yeah. went to work for Willie? And I think they worked for Waylon first. I don't know if they worked for Waylon, but they were Hell's Angels. And I remember the first time I met Willie, <clears throat> he, uh, he was parked, <laughs> you know, forget staying, but he was parked at the Vanderbilt Plaza Hotel. And his manager lives in Connecticut, so he wasn't in Nashville. And, you know, I pull up in my car and, you know, there's this huge brown bus with the horses. And I, you know, knock on the door and go up on the bus. And I was, you know, just really kind of uh, nervous and not knowing how to act and, and what to say and who to see and, you know, all of that. And the bus is just packed with people and all kinds of big, huge, burly guys, and they were all Hell's Angels, you know, previous ex-Hell's ex Angels. Ex Angels people. And, you know, I was very intimidated, but, you know, these guys were so sweet, and I got to know everybody really well and, and found a lot of comfort being on that bus and hanging out with these guys. But when you first approach the bus and you go on and there's these all these big guys and you know, and all just kind of look dangerous and, and still today when I see those guys, I just love them. Yeah, they, they're very wonderful. special. They were all wonderful. All the guys associated with Willie were wonderful. Now, see, Laurie never kept a bus driver that long. Some people do. Well, and it's really you know one of the most important jobs it is. in terms of it's your life that they're you know. And they also go to the store and pick up all the things that you want to eat, might you know need so. You have to have a similar taste. We went on a bus trip once out to uh, see a Kenny show, and we were going out there with Clint on the bus. On the we were on all a bus, because we were going to go to several places and do different things. And at the last moment, no, we went out and bought stuff to take on the bus. Yeah, like jelly beans and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, like many buses that left from a, a supermarket parking lot, and we got there and we were waiting for Clint to come. And Clint uh, had to cancel out, but he had sent um, his trainer and his wife. And there was nothing on the bus, so we went into the supermarket and bought food and stuff to have on the bus and uh, drove uh, to the show. And There was nothing on the bus, no toilet paper, no paper towels, nothing. And so the woman that worked in production brought us Food. No, when we got there, you know, we made a big thing about the fact that Clint, you know, wasn't there. And we were out there with these strangers that we didn't even know sharing this bus. And uh, Kenny has a great production team. And they just took over and filled the bus with tons of food, like five loaves of bread. Right, like Talking like about not wanting a lot of bread. But we had so much bread, I'd never seen anybody think that we were going to eat all this bread uh, but Jill, who works with Kenny, you know, was Jill just... Jill she's a doll. And great she set girl. up a massage room for us and an office and got the bus loaded down with food. And, and see, in some of those situations, when you go to the venue, if you don't have a hotel room, you have to take a shower at the venue. And a lot of them have, you know, like our, our places where the school team works out and stuff. Well, you're showering in a locker room, in other words. That's right, the locker room. But we can't use this because Susan said who it was. But she was convinced that this couple were swingers. 
Don't, don't put this in. Don't put Susan said. Evelyn said to me, do you think they're swingers? No. <laughs> well, Susan was convinced this guy and his wife were swingers on and the I'm bus. And I was nervous that they wanted to swing with us. They had so many pills and stuff. You know, I just stuck with my jelly beans and the loaf of bread. <laughs> it was our life on that bus. But then when we got to where we were going, knowing that guy wanted to take huge long walks wherever we were to work out. Oh, let's walk down by the railroad track. And see, Kenny always works out wherever he goes. That's another thing. And, a and lot Susan, of-, of course, gets competitive and wants to work out <laughs> with him so that she can try to one-up and ship him. Well, you can't one-up Kenny. He's like in the best shape of any human I've ever seen. So Kenny's a, a worker out. But a lot of those guys work out. And they, like Mickey, goes on the road and with Willie's band. And he brings a trail bike. And they ride like 30 miles a day. Willie used to have a bike, too, and ride on the road, too. He was in good shape and run. And Mark always finds a gym nearby. Irving always found the gym nearby because the one thing the bus doesn't have is a gym. <laughs> Some do underneath. They carry barbells and stuff. Well, remember that story about Tammy when her mother died, putting her mother in under the bus. Did we not tell that? We did. She took Meemaw back to Red Bay, Alabama, under the in the in the bay. Yeah, are you sure they didn't have her propped up at the table? No, no, no. That was Richie. They had her <laughs> under the bus. And catering's a huge part of the road. Like when I was with Laurie and we went up to Canada, we went up there with um, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. And I forget the name of the promoter. He was a famous promoter, but he had sushi for everybody. And it was the best sushi I've ever eaten in my life. But after about 10 days, you're sick of the sushi on the road. But, you know, that sushi was fantastic. Yamaguchi was his name? I don't remember. Ron. Wasn't his first name Ron? I don't know, but I know on the road, you know, you're always at the mercy of catering. Because you don't have enough time to go out and find something to eat. And mostly catering's pretty good. The best part about catering are the desserts. The pies and the cakes and the brownies. A fun thing at uh, <clears throat> Farm Aid, in terms of buses, is that they cordon off an area right by the stage for the principal's buses, which is, you know, Willie, Neil Young, uh, Dave Matthews, John, John Mellencamp. And so their buses are sort of in a circle. And, you know, they put barriers around that so that, you know, you can go out and have some privacy and sit out by the, in the place. And Neil Young has a really interesting looking bus. Remember, he has like a whole gym that travels talking about a gym. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting how different people outfit their buses. And, and his is very, you know, kind of spacey looking and, and weird and... Then Willie's got the uh, horses and... Willie has the table where everybody sits and, the, and, and you know, Willie doesn't eat that much on the road. He's bananas and eggs is all I've ever seen him eat. I'm trying to think what else, what other bus stories I can tell. Who else I went on the road with? Well, I told you about Bobby Blueland's bus. Every single member of his band was on the bus and his bus was filled with deli trays. That's all they had. And Bobby would sit there naked but in a towel (laughs) and he was a giant and his long nails to play the guitar it was not a great scene uh 
I'm trying to think who else had an interesting bus. Well, you know, it's kind of overwhelming how some of these buses are decorated, like the George Jones bus, of which, you know, there were many during our time with him. But he had a huge chandelier in the middle of the bus. And he had one of those first, one of the first buses where the sides go out to give more room. But, you know, the place was done up like a hotel lobby. I mean, like marble floors and big like chandelier. House. And his bus was also set up kind of almost opposite a lot of the other buses in terms of, you know, the way they, they made the interior. But um, people got really carried away in terms of how much money they put in buses. I mean, you can easily put a million dollars into, you know, decorating and all of that. George owned his buses. A lot of people lease them. Lori owned her bus, too, for a while. But, you know, there were... When I first was in country music, there were certain artists who would, would go out on the road and had, like, 30 buses in their entourage. And they had their merchandise people pulling a thing, and they had their band, and they had instruments... I'm sure that they wasted tons of money on those buses. Well, trucks. Trucks, but they had 30 buses too. Well, buses for the per people to ride in. The trucks carry the equipment. So unless he had about 100 people. I'm telling you, his bus, his entourage would go out and there were like 30 buses. You know, it's fun uh, when you go to a Kenny show and there's so many acts on, you know, a bill. And there are so many buses in those situations of, you know, the star bus, the band bus, the merge bus, you know, all the different buses. But they all park backstage at a stadium. And as you walk through the buses, they all have like little barbecue areas set up and, and you know, just totally different areas as you move, you know, around. Depending Who's that upon guy with the blonde hair that did that diners, dives and something? God, he would be backstage cooking. Yeah, you see everything backstage, you know, and, and... And, you know, it's huge backstage. They have monitors so you can see what's going on on stage. Unlike, you know, just a simple little guy going out and doing an acoustic show. But I know that going on the road costs you huge amounts of money. The buses, the food, the diesel. The diesel alone is the way expensive. <laughs> Yeah, I remember once when we were in Connecticut, the road was so bad that we all woke up and it was so circuitous and winding and bumpy and, you know, the bus driver was scared. And I've been on the, on the bus when there's been major storms too. I mean, luckily, I've never been on a bus that crashed or anything, but it certainly happens to people uh, along the road or breakdown. Uh, I've not had that experience, you know, but... I certainly know a lot of people that that's happened to, and, you know, some of them are really, you know, tragic. Now it's time for the Music City Myth. Our listeners submit questions, and Evelyn and I try to answer them to the best of our ability. Here's the question. Does Dolly Parton have tattoos? I think she might. I think Dolly does have part, uh, tattoos, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. I've heard that she's had, she has tattoos, and it's the reason she always wears long sleeves. And truthfully, I've never seen her in anything other than long sleeves, so I'm not sure. Because she was always made up and ready to go when uh, we yeah, saw her. Yeah, when we did the trio, she was always downstairs and ready to go, dressed, made up, her, everything perfect. I don't know, but she might. And so what if she does? <laughs> Thanks for listening. You be sure to subscribe, and we'll be sure to catch you off guard. So light one up.
and lighten up. Stay tuned next week for the final episode of the season, which we're calling The Big Shots, where we'll discuss some of the power players in Nashville. So share and tell your friends. Then rate, review, and subscribe. Don't be quiet about this. We need you to tell everyone because why is someone going to listen to this? No one has any idea who that we are. So it's up to you to get us known. It has to be a viral thing. It has to be a, uh, you know, word of mouth thing because we're putting our faith in your hands. We are. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.shadyladiesofmusiccity.com. Shady Ladies of Music City is recorded and produced in Nashville, Tennessee, and is presented by Monument Records. Executive producers are Jason Owen, Shane McAnally, and Katie McCartney. Our producer is Sarah DeHilly. Our theme song is written and performed by Robert Shavers. He is also our engineer and editor.